0: All right. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. If, you, if you're if you looking for seats, we have several seats at the front um, and over that side as well. So plenty more seats at the front for you. All right. My name's Obed, and I'm one of the leaders here. Um, and um, again, always a joy to have... You guys join us together in order to um, lift up the name of Jesus and look at scripture and see how God wants us to live and everything like that. Um, I'm nervous, and I shouldn't be. I shouldn't have done this, but look, England are playing soon. God loves me and loves you as well. So, I just realized I was talking so fast, and I was like, why? Because I'm just anxiety. England are playing soon, all right? Um, in the World Cup. If you know anything about the World Cup, if you don't, just ignore everything I said. Welcome. Um, this morning, <laughs> we continue our Advent series, and we're going to be focusing on the theme of peace. Um, and it is my joy to have a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, James Lechler, who's going to be speaking this morning. Um, um, He's going to come introduce himself, obviously, but one thing, I, several, two things I want to say about James is he's a really good basketball player. I'm not kidding. Like, I didn't know he was good um, when I played, but I played with him several weeks ago, and he was magical. I'm sure, like, he was like Steph Curry. Um <laughs> It's incredible. (laughs) He was was an incredible basketball player. Um, He just destroyed, I mean, I was on his team and I gave him an alley hoop, right? I did. (laughs) I did. I can't play basketball. I really can't. But it was a joy to play with him, just have so much fun with him. But the other thing I appreciate about James is his love for God and the supremacy of God and Scripture. Um, And him and his family moved here several years ago in order to be part of a church plant called Center City, which we partnered with to help launch. And he's going to tell you guys a bit more about that. But he loves Jesus, loves God's Word, and it's a joy for us to have him here this morning. Wanting to bring us the word and so let's put our hands together for james literally everybody lovely thank you
1: all right thank you obed thanks prof. so uh now i have to spend this entire time wondering why i didn't make the nba with that type of um endorsement uh but uh you see how tall i am that's maybe one of the answers um so, uh, yeah, my name is James, like Obed said, and, and we moved out here a year and a half ago, and you probably have a picture of my family up here, potentially. There they are. All right, so uh, this crew rolled out five days across the United States, uh, uh, yeah, last July, and, and we came out because even though I'm born in the Midwest, and the Midwest in my blood, I even miss the snow right now. I know that might feel weird. I miss... Uh, my my breath being seen in the air when I breathe and uh, my snot freezing in my nose um, when I walk outside. I miss that a little bit, but uh, Jesus is better than your hometown. Um, Jesus is better than uh, your roots and even where you feel uh, most connected, and uh, and Jesus led us out here uh, to plant a church with Joe and Amy Joseph in the College Area, El Mace Area. This is my this is my fam. So my son, my wife. First of all, my beautiful wife Betsy. Uh, she uh, is uh, amazing. She actually helps lead worship, play piano at at Center City and. Uh, I I would be a wreck um, without her. And uh, and then my son Theodore in the black hoodie, Um, Theo is uh, getting, uh, like his dad, he's not overly athletic but very determined and so we're working in the backyard on a lot of basketball stuff. Um, My daughter Nancy holding up the gumballs in the front, she is uh, a sweetheart, she's the fire in our family, she's the passion and the compassion. And then uh, Brexton, he is—he's uh, the tough and tender one in our family. Bonk—we've had a nickname for him. He's Bonk because he's hit his head just about every day since he's six months old. Um, and uh, and then the youngest is Phoebe, little Phoebe. She's the she's the baby, the sweet one, super super sweet, and uh, so grateful for her. And then you'll see a picture of my second family, and that's Center City Church, and they're gathering right now. That was at one of our summer hangouts, and it's just incredible to me how God brings people of God together. Last time I was with you all, you were about half this size. And the Spirit of God has continued to draw people. I, I've met about five of, of y'all and your families, and, and just so amazing how God knits together a people in a local place for his name. And what you have here at King's Cross, and I experienced this right when I, I joined, you have something really special. It's this is a special thing that God has done. He's given you servant leaders. He's given you a lot of buy-in across your membership. He's given you a, a lot of favor in your community. And, and he's given you a, a, a desire to be on mission with him. But more than any of that, he's given you the greatest news about the greatest story that was ever told, about the greatest man who ever lived. And that is why we gather this morning. And I am here to, to preach nothing less than him and nothing more than him, because that's the whole point of this gathering. And so we're going we're gonna to look now, we're going we're gonna to look at, at this idea of peace and I just want to ask you a question. We usually ask a question before Center City and then have people interact, but I'm not going to make you get extroverted again. Um, you can sit and chill. So are you coming in with anything that's an anxiety? Obed confessed his. <laughs> but are you coming in with anything that is currently renting some space in your own head? That when you just stop thinking, you stop conversing with somebody, it just pops in. It's just right there in front, front of your brain. And the second question, what are you doing with that? What are you, what are you, actually, what are you doing with that, that anxiety and that care? Now, before I get to talking a little bit about the relevance of those questions, we're, we're talking about peace, and so I think it's important for us to just acknowledge the, the definitions that we're coming in with. When it comes to peace. So, I, I asked a bunch of folks that I hung out with these last couple weeks about what their thoughts are on peace. And here's the funny thing I could not get anywhere near a standard definition from anybody. It feels like it's one of those words that gets used so much that it's almost lost its meaning. And, you know, we say things like, man, I just really want peace between Ukraine and Russia. Or, peace, see ya. Or, man, I just got to go and take a walk at the beach because I need some peace right now. Or like in our home, we say, kids, we need some peace and quiet. That's that's a common word for peace. And I'm, I'm so thankful for God's word. But one thing I'm extremely grateful for regarding God's word is that I don't have to make up my own definitions. God's word defines so many and actually the most relevant words that we use. And the way it defines peace, we actually heard it uh, just a moment ago, it's, it's wholeness. It's actually the word in the Hebrew is shalom. Many of you know that, have heard that word shalom means complete, wholeness, well-being. So we may think of peace as a trans, uh, transcendent, kind of tranquil feeling. We may think of it as like peaceful relationships, but it, it is those things, but it's even much broader, much wider, much more foundational. And the reason for that is because at the very beginning of time, at the dawn of time, the God of the universe who is three in one, which I'm not going to get into all that, but he is three in one, perfectly connected, perfectly whole, yet three separate beings, created. And he created a universe that was connected and whole, perfectly shalom, perfectly peace. That's how he created all of this by design. So when he looked at everything after the 6th day he goes, this is very good. And I know for most of us depending on whether we're a Christian or not a Christian, no matter where you are at on your spiritual journey, when you experience inner peace, when you see peace between people, you go, that's good. That's beautiful. That's true. Because it's in our bones. It's in our very soul. We were designed and created for that type of peace. So we come to Christmas, and Christmas time in America promises that, right? We have the promise of peace through, we can get inner peace through nostalgic songs and our best cup of eggnog, or whatever you like to eat or drink. We, we can get outer peace through really jolly greetings and family and friends getting together. And Christmas time promises that peace to us. And yet, I think if we're all honest, December 26th rolls around, January 3rd rolls around, and it didn't quite give it to us. It didn't quite give it to us. And there's a little bit of regret that we put our hope in, who's preached about last week, this, this promised peace that Christmas should have given us. That's the conundrum of the modern Christmas. And yet, thankfully, the God who created us in perfect shalom has actually given us a pathway to that shalom, to that peace, to that perfect peace. And we, we, get to, we see it all over scripture, but we see it, in its, I think, in a very concentrated form in the text we're looking at this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. It's an unlikely Christmas text to be sure, but we are going to see Christmas in that text and how Christmas actually creates a pathway to peace. The real Christmas creates a pathway to peace for us. So the context of Philippians, I know you all, uh, this church preached through that a little while back, but just a real quick reminder on the context of Philippians. Philippians is written by the Apostle Paul about 30 years after Jesus uh, left the earth. So the Apostle Paul is, is now writing Uh, to the church at Philippi. And the church at Philippi is most likely under a good bit of stress themselves. They are not majority culture, but very much minority culture in Philippi. And they are oppressed most likely in that culture. And Paul is writing to them to press courage into them. And the crazy thing about what Paul is writing here, when he says in the very first verse, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Do you know where he's writing that, penning those words from? Prison. You guys remember, right? Obed hopefully taught taught that to you. He's writing from most likely prison. Chains on his feet, potentially even on death row. And he says, Do not be anxious about anything. And later on he says, I have learned the secret of being content in all things. What? How do you have that? How do you have that peace? Paul? How do you have that? And here's the thing, friends. When we, we're going to read this text and I'm going to pray, but I want to propose to you this. That peace is possible for every single one of us, not just the, the Apostle Paul. And that peace is possible to us, not if we get to be the, the type of Christian Paul was, but because of the person Jesus is. Because of the person Jesus is, we get access to this path of peace. And so I'm going to, I'm going to read the text and then I'm going to pray and then we're going to dive right into this text and look at this pathway to peace. All right, read with me. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. This is God's word. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, Father, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you through your spirit are present with us and we can know this peace. There we we don't have we don't have any hope to know this peace unless you Uh, shine on our hearts, and you make it real. And so I'm just asking now, Father, that you would give us the peace that we all long for, and show us how to walk in it. And most of all, show us the person who is it. Show us the one who is peace. Thank you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the people you've gathered here today, and thank you so much for this word. We are expectant now that you're going to move in our hearts and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so for those of you who like outlines, here's a quick outline, and I can't promise I'm going to stick to it, so pay attention. All right, here, here it goes. Our missing piece, the pathway to peace, and the peace that came to us. I think when we look at this text, we see three things. We see our missing piece. We see a pathway to peace, and we see peace that came to us. So first of all, I just want to confess something myself. When I read this text and I read, uh, do not be anxious about anything. I tend to be an anxious person. My hands get sweaty when I speak in front of large crowds. I I worry about my kids. I worry about my bank account. I worry about a lot of things. And I tend to be anxious. And actually that is both by my, uh, that's just my habits, but it's also something that runs in my family. There's just a, a lot of anxiety that goes back in the Leckler family. And, uh, and, and all sorts of mental stuff there. And, and, and so when I read this, I go, okay, Paul, so you're serious. Like, don't be anxious. Like, I don't wake up in the morning going, you know what? I'm going to be anxious today. I think I'm just going to really stress out about a lot of stuff. And I don't have a, I don't, I don't start talking to somebody and get in a little conflict and go, okay, now anxiety time. I'm going to choose anxiety. I don't do that. So this feels a little ridiculous to me that Paul would tell me to not be something that's involuntary. And not only that, but then I look at the tag on word at the end of the command, don't be anxious about anything. Anything? (laughs) Really, anything. Like, Paul, do you know the doctor's appointment that I have coming up this week? Paul, do you know what's going on with my kid at school? Paul, do you know, do you know what... I mean, what what's going to happen in my job and, and the company running out of funds? Do you know what's going to happen to my church? God, I, Paul, there's so much going on, the anything feels like a ridiculous command. Not only do I have to do something involuntary, but I also have to do it at all times. It feels ridiculous. So those are objections, I just want to be honest, that I come up and... And and yet, I just want to say real quick that when Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, what Paul is not saying is he's not saying don't care about anything. He's not saying don't care about anything. In fact, it says in the Bible that God cares for us. So God would be, he would be breaking his own command if he didn't care, if he said don't care about anything. It is a good and beautiful thing to care for your kids, to care for your job, to care for your health, to care for your home, to care for your church, all of those things are good things to care for. But this word anxiety and what Paul is commanding us not to be is different than this healthy care or concern. It's actually an unhealthy care. The word in the Greek actually means to fall apart. It actually means to come to pieces because of a care or concern you have. Have you guys ever, ever felt that? Have you ever felt a care or concern? Like you're, you're just kind of falling apart inside? Okay, maybe it's watching your favorite soccer team and it's minute 85 and they're down by one. Okay, you're starting to fall apart a little bit. Okay, so there is a level of, and then even obviously more serious things. I just want to acknowledge that in this room, there is for sure, for sure cares that, man, it would be so easy to fall apart. Like life and death cares. Like I can't fall asleep at night and can't stay asleep at night cares like that's probably here and i just want you to see that that paul is giving you a hope filled verse saying that peace is even available to you this type of shalom is even available to you and you're not alone one in 5 americans struggle with anxiety at like a clinical need to take a some sort of uh, anti-anxiety medication. I know a lot of friends in our church, I probably could use them, um, so, uh, to even oftentimes. And the two and, f- and two and five report anxiety, just like I feel and anxiety all the time. And, and if we're honest, that's just a constant struggle we have. And so when we look at this text, we say, okay, Paul, I don't wanna be anxious. I don't wanna be anxious. And I would love it if, I, if in everything, I could have this type of peace. So, what do I do? And this brings us to our pathway to peace. Look at the next phrase. Look at the next phrase. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So, Paul says, He says, don't be anxious about anything. And now he says, just again to remind you, in everything, do something. And he gives really, th- three really simple steps, like surprisingly simple steps on the pathway to, uh, to peace. He says, number one, pray. Number two, ask. That's what that word supplication means. It just means to ask. And number three, thank. Number one, pray. Number two, ask. And number three, thank. That's the pathway that he gives to peace. Now, I just want to look at him real quick. Why does he say pray? Well, pray really at the heart of it is dependence on God. That's what it is. It is saying, God, you're up there and I'm down here and I need you. When we're dependent on God, what we're saying is, I have a need to be connected to you. Just like I was, just like uh, all of creation was at the beginning, that is what I need. I need connection with you and dependence on you. And then he actually breaks out prayer into two of its most basic forms, asking and thanking. He says, this is how you pray. You ask God in everything. You ask him. Big things like my daughter's appointment coming up this week and small things like I need a parking spot at the beach down by La Jolla. He wants you to ask all things, everything big and small. Ask, ask, and ask again. That's what he's wanting because he wants connection with you. He wants that shalom with you. But after we ask, we must thank him for what we already have. Because we know that that parking spot doesn't always come right away. And we are not always given what we're asking for immediately in fact it's by design he allows us to wait and what do we do in the waiting we thank him we thank him for everything that he has given us i was actually right here in my sermon prep last night when i got a phone call from a good friend of mine and he's been part of our church got connected in a really crazy kind of cool god way and he um called me from the er called me from the emergency room, and he was there because he had just relapsed into, into an addiction. That's a real, um, it's a, it's a real condition that he's struggling with, and, and he calls me, and he's going to have to go back to step one in a program he's already been going through, and it, he is just dying inside, falling apart like anxiety does, falling apart. And we just paused, and I said, John, can you just, I know you got to run, but just text me 10 things that you're grateful for. Text me 10 things that, that, that you can thank God for right now. And I'm going to read you. I'm reading this text right here. I'm grateful because I was loved first. That I'm a child of God who will never leave me or forsake me. That I have a truck and a guitar. I have clothes on my back. I have a church family and a pastor that has my back. I have a phone that I can even use to make this list. I have excellent qualities, even in my sense of humor. He is pretty funny, pretty dry. And my empathy and my loyalty, and that he leaves the 99 for me. Friends, there's always something to thank God for. There's always something to thank God for, even as we're waiting. And that's why he gives us that command, the final step on the pathway to peace. And he says, we can let those requests be made known to him, in everything. And it's because we're designed for dependence. And I just want you to take a look at the next line of what this type of peace produces. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And look at this. Look at this promise. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. It's amazing. Can you imagine? Your hearts and minds are being guarded by the very peace, the very shalom of God when you're walking on the pathway of peace. And this idea of guarding, we probably have some military folks in here because we're from San Diego. What this means is we are, it is a battalion of the strongest soldiers not allowing anything in, not allowing anything in to touch it, to harm it, to abuse it. To cause it to fall apart. And what I love is that this is this is a piece that's guarding your heart almost in a subconscious way. It's not you having to do it, it's something happening outside of you, inside of you. So encouraging for my heart. Because friends, we know we know that whether it's Christmas time or not, we live in a really, really noisy society. We live with a lot of noise and a lot of attacks on our heart. We have an enemy named Satan who is attacking our heart. And we have our own flesh that wakes up every morning and says, you don't got this. You're not good enough. God's done with you. Is he even there? Like that is a constant barrage on our hearts. And it causes us to fall apart and we need we desperately need this guarding this protecting we need that battalion of peace surrounding our hearts so that we don't fall apart now if you're anything like me what you're going to do is you're going to say all right james i got this i see the path of peace pray ask thank and then I'm going to get that peace that guards my heart. Okay, I got this. Let's do this. I'm good. Close the, Let's pray. Let's sing some songs. But there's a major problem. There's a real major problem. And it's this. The anxiety inside of us is not our deepest issue. The, the falling apart is not our deepest issue. The deeper issue is this. We don't actually want to depend on God. We don't actually, in our, in our flesh, in our hum, broken humanity, actually want to go to God. And you know this is true. I feel it every single day. I'm a pastor. It is the hardest thing for me every day to say, God, I need your help. Or God, thank you for that. It's so much easier for me to do one of two things, and I think that you might resonate with one of these two things. I see it all the time in my church and with my family. We either want to self-resolve. I got this. I'm going to take care of this myself. Or we run from whatever that anxiety or care is. Okay? So self-resolve is, very, is kind of my, my common false pathway to peace. So what I'll do, you know, my, uh, just a quick example, my wife and I got a, uh, a little bit concerning prognosis from the pediatrician uh, for one of our kids. And what is my first response? Is I ask? Do I ask God? No, I ask Google. I ask WebMD. What does this, this, and this mean? And what are all the prognosis? prognosis is that it can mean the diagnosis that it, can, that it can mean and what happens to me inside i unravel i fall apart i i come to pieces i do everything what i'm being commanded not to do in being anxious but then for others i know that it's not that it's i run to instagram i run to alcohol i run to Name your thing that kicks an endorphin. I run to something that is going to just mask it, push it away, act like it doesn't exist. Those are false pathways of peace. And friends, that's what we do, every single one of us. And it's because we are designed to be dependent, but in our sin, we are wildly independent from God. And that's why we unravel. That is the very reason we unravel. And that's where we should be left. As humanity, we should be left to that. We should be left coming to pieces, not just inside of ourselves, but it doesn't say it much in the text. But we know that when we're unraveling inside, what happens to our relationships? What happens at our workplace? Are we serving? Are we loving? What happens? What happens? It comes apart. Our relationships, everything, we fall apart. And it's because of sin. It's because of independence apart from God, saying, I am going to find my own peace. And this is where Christmas shows up. The best three words of this entire text. Look at them with me. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus friends Christ Jesus is the peace that came to us he is the peace that that makes us able to actually walk the pathway towards peace Jesus is the he he is the peace that we are longing for and i friends i just want to i want you to see this that when Jesus came to us Jesus didn't come to people welcoming him he didn't come to peace. He came to, to rejection. He came to those who said, we don't actually want you. Herod wanted to kill him. He didn't want another king. Satan wanted to snuff him out and tempted him incessantly to try to get him off mission. The Jews tried to trap him in his words constantly because they wanted to see him fail and die. Everybody, even his disciples left him. He was, in a, he was in enemy territory his entire time here on earth. And that is how the shalom of God came to us. If, if you read the four gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this is why I love when I'm, I'm, I'm talking with somebody who has never encountered Jesus. Go to one of those four gospels and you don't have to really say anything. You just read the text and you say, what do you see? And you know what you see? You see a man who had more peace, more congruency, more wholeness, more compassion, the ability to stay together even when the outside world was falling apart around him. No one, no one did that like Jesus, and it blows people away, and as Christians who have been in the church a long time, I hope we can just, in a fresh way, just Consider Jesus who walked the path of peace constantly, never once taking a false path, never once trying to self resolve, never once running away from the brokenness, constantly, always depending on the Father, calling out to Him, trying to get away from the crowd so He could go and pray, even though He was exhausted talking to him, even in the middle of doing miracles and having conversations. Even on the night he was betrayed and going to the cross, talking to the Father, perfectly dependent. And of course he was. He was the second person. He is the second person of the Trinity existing in full shalom. So, I wanna rattle off just a couple verses and I just want you to consider, I think there's, there's, a, there's a, a visual up there of how this piece came to us and it's not my words, it's God word, God's words. So let it just wash over you as you listen to this. Isaiah 9, 6 uh, through 7. This, is, this was your verse last week. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given and the government, government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And then the prophet Micah said in Micah 5, but you Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Friends, Jesus is the embodiment of peace. He is the wholeness that creation longs for. And then we look here. How did this peace come? How does Jesus bring this peace to us? Two more verses or two more passages Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot. And like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted and here it is, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds, we are healed. And Ephesians 2, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace. Friends, This is the beautiful thing of Christmas and you won't find it in any other religion, any other worldview, you won't find it anywhere. Jesus came to pieces to put you back together. Jesus came to pieces so that you could be made whole again. That's the good news of the gospel. And that's the only good news that's gonna give you the type of shalom and peace that your heart longs for. And here's how he put you back together at the most fundamental level. He gave you a new relationship with God. No longer enemy, but now friend. The church, we use the, the word justification. You are justified. You are made just in the sight of God. That is how you have peace with God. So now you have a friend in God. A friend who controls all things and cares for you more than you could ever care for yourself. A friend who is surrounding your heart with peace. And it's all because his son bore the punishment for all of the ways you went down the false pathways of peace. But not only that, not only that, he has given you a new power for peace. We just don't have a new position in Christ, but we have a new power through the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, that it says Jesus joyfully sent to live inside of you. That is the only way, friends, with those two realities side by side, those are the only things that will lead us to the, through the pathway of peace in prayer, in asking, in thanking. Because now when we fail to ask, when we walk a false pathway of peace, we wake up in the morning and Satan is lying to us or our flesh is lying to us, we can say this, I have a friend I have a friend with God. He is my friend. He is my friend and I can come to him. I can ask and he will listen. And when we feel like we just don't have the power, we can't take another step forward, the cares are too heavy, we can say, I might not be able to, but the Bible says that even when I can't pray, the Holy Spirit is praying with words that are deeper than what I can even make sense of. That is a power, friends, that transcends any any understanding. It transcends anything this world can make sense of. Friends, that is the type of peace that you will start to experience. If you come to this Jesus and you say, Jesus, I don't want to walk in my own way anymore. I don't want to depend on myself anymore. I want to depend on you. And I need your spirit to fill me. Please do that and let me walk in that pathway of peace. In church, I just want to say this last thing. And this is an exhortation to all of you together. And I love seeing those community groups up there. I think this directly applies to that. As we walk this pathway of peace, we cannot, we shouldn't. The Bible forbids us to walk it alone. Church, we can only walk this pathway of peace together. And so I'm going to ask some questions and Obed can choose or not choose to use them at the end of reflection time. But the, the, the questions I want to ask is, do you, know, do you know anybody else's anxieties or cares? Do you know them? And does anybody here know yours? Are you known to that level? Like the thing I brought up at the very beginning, like, does anybody know that? We all know Obed's now about soccer, but does anybody know yours? Okay. And number two, what do you do with it? What do you do with that? Well, here's what you can do: family. And this is what we should do. The Bible commands us to. Commands us to. Pray. Commands us to say to our our friend, "Hey, I hear that. Can I can I pray with you? Or I'm I'm." I'm right now, even not even. I'm talking to you. I'm listening to you, but I'm praying for you, even though I'm not saying it out loud. We humble ourselves. We depend on God, even for one another's coming apart, anxiety, and number two, we ask. We ask specifically for our friends and for our family members, and then we thank. We th- we call them to thankfulness, and we thank for them what God is already doing in their lives, no matter what the circumstance, in anything and in everything. And here's the beautiful thing, friends. What we can do in those moments is we can say to one another or we can even pray over one another the new position as friend we have in Christ. We can pray over one, or, one another the power that is theirs in Christ. And, and as we do this, I am so excited. I'm so excited. If, if y'all let me back and maybe you won't have me preach again but I'll just come back anyways. I'm so excited to come back and sense an even deeper sense of the peace that transcends understanding in this place. I'm so excited as you get to know and, and believe and trust and rest in this person, this, this position of, of being a friend with God, and as you get to walk in the Spirit together, I I imagine this place is not only going to grow in number, but it's going to grow in depth, going to grow in real shalom. And it's not just going to stay here because that's not what this inner peace is about. You go to the rest of the Bible and you will see that what happens with the shalom is it runs like wildfire through all of our communities and our workplaces and our relationships at our Christmas dinners with family members that are really difficult. It runs... Because that's what the gospel does, and that's what it's after, unto the ends of the earth. And one day, one day, the Prince of Peace is coming back, and we're anticipating that in Advent. We're, in, we're remembering that he came, but we're also remembering that this Prince of Peace is coming back. This Prince of Peace is coming back, and he will have nail-scarred hands, but we'll also have a sword ready to reign and rule in might and in love and in perfect shalom, creating wholeness across everything we see. I can't wait for that day. But until then, let's look to Christ. Let's receive the gift that he is. Let's walk in this pathway of peace. Pray with me. Father, thank you for these friends. Thank you for this family. And, uh, and thank you for your word. We, where, where, where else can we go, Lord? In our anxieties, in our falling apart and falling to pieces, where else can we go? There are helpful things out there, God. There are helpful things for us to go to, uh, but none of them will give us the deepest peace that we need. And I just pray. I want to pray over my, my friends and family here that you would do the miracle of causing each and every one of us to see the Jesus who came to bring this peace to us and empower them to walk the pathway of peace and dependence on you. We love you, God. Thank you. Thank you so much for meeting us. In Jesus' name, amen.